Welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. Today we're going to be doing a combination of Leviticus chapters 9 and 10. Uh, chapter 9 being a, a fairly short chapter, but basically what chapter 9 is regarding is, is I'm not going to read the whole chapter because the chapter was kind of a recap, if you will, of how things were done once again. Uh, if you've been following along... It's just basically, again, a repeating of what's been done as of certain uh, sacrificial aspects. The uh, chapter 9 is in regards to the beginning of the priestly uh, ministry. And uh, so what it was was in chapter 8... Aaron and his sons were, were raised up as the priests. So now in chapter 9, it basically just kind of gave the instruction on what they were to do to once again on the instructions on killing of the animals and the sacrifices and the washing of certain things and the burning of certain things that had to be done. Uh, these are all things we've already gone over in previous chapters, uh, which is why I'm just going to briefly explain chapter 9, but jump into chapter 10, because that's where chapter 10 really starts to get into, the, uh, into a new aspect of something we haven't heard yet. But again, the chapter 9, is where the priestly ministry begins. And and so we had uh, Aaron. And Aaron had said to take yourselves a young bull and a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. And to the children of Israel you shall speak, saying, Take a kid of the goats as a sin offering and calf and a lamb and both of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering. So what it was is, is the beginning of this, see there was a sacrificial system for both priest and people. And, and this is what it was about. Everybody had to perform this. Nobody was exempt from from having to perform these sacrificial duties. For the people, they had required animals. For the people and for the priests, they had their required animals. Uh, for particular sins, there was required things that had to be done. There was a cost uh, thing going on here, too, if you think about it. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot of uh, sense to realize that, okay, it, it would cost a lot more for a bull than it does a goat. And so there's, there is a high cost to sin, and so the priests were required to sacrifice a ram or a bull or something of that sort. And the, and the children of Israel were, uh, were to, be, to do a goat or something of that sort as well in regards to this particular instruction. So they basically were, they brought it to Moses, they brought it to Aaron, and, and it was sacrificed, it was burned. And basically the, the rituals had to begin from there. And so God is establishing these rituals with... Moses with Aaron in order to establish the priesthood on how things are to be done, how things were done back then. And as I always say, thank God that we do not live in those days anymore. <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm sure even I'm sure even the, the people of Israel are um, are thinking to themselves uh, that wow, you know, this must have been quite a task because it's a very costly thing. It's a very costly and messy thing. And, and thank God for the, the blood of Christ because, again, that was a once and for all forgiveness, amen. And so that's what chapter, uh, chapter 9 was about. It was strictly in regards to how certain things were done. Because, you know, there, after a time of consecration, uh, there was a time of going before the Lord. And, and you had to uh, do that with with the blessings for the people, and then and then and then at the end of chapter nine, there was a, a fire that came down that, that consumed the offer, the offering that was on the altar, and and by that we see in the glory of God. 
And then and after that, the people fell on their faces to worship because from right there when they put the sacrifice in, on the altar, a fire comes down and burns the sacrifice that they didn't lit but a fire from God. And I would like to think that any of us would probably do the same thing as well if, you know, we saw a fire come down from, from, from the sky and, and hit the offering and burned it right then and there. That was God sending that fire. And, and by that, we should be on our knees and worshiping from there. And so, but see, now we're going to be playing with a different kind of fire in chapter 10. A strange fire. We've, a lot of us have heard this before. A strange fire. Because even... Even pastors or priests' kids, you know, sometimes they uh, sometimes they tend to go a little bit astray. There's a there's an old saying that that some of the worst kids out there were pastors' kids, and oh gosh, you know, I hate the term. I I, I really hate the term pastors' kids, and um, you know, because I've always told my sons that that you're not a pastor's kid, you're my kid, you're God's child first, and then you're my kid. You know, being a pastor is just what we do. But you know, in this case, there was a there was always this sense of I don't know, like labeling or something. I think that was that was always odd to me that they they always tended to go a little more astray at times. Maybe because there was a, a very strict militant uh, upbringing, perhaps. But you know what? It's not that it's a bad thing because see, the priests were there to uphold. As should any leader, as should any parent. They're there to uphold the best for their children, you know. And But even Aaron had a couple. He, even he had a couple of bad ones here that, that tended to uh, show a form of disobedience, to show a form of unholiness. And we're going to take a look at that in chapter 10. Because in chapter 10... Chapter ten really gets down to the uh, to the instruction on the conduct as well of the priesthood. I've always said that you want to learn from everybody that you can out there from the good, from the best examples. Learn of what to do from those best examples and what not to do from the worst. Don't partake with the worst. But you know what? The Bible is is completely honest because it documents. People that were imperfect, that documented the people that were unholy, it documented just everything in truth, like like a reporter should, you know, in a sense. And this is what we're going to be seeing. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in chapter 10 of Leviticus. Let's take a look real quick here. Um, I guess we could start off in verses 1 through, uh, let's do 1 through 3 here first. And we have Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. Each took his censer and put fire in it and put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. You know, I couldn't even imagine such a thing, right? I, I could not imagine such a thing because, again, what we're looking at here was an unauthorized form of fire. Now, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was an unauthorized form. Um, perhaps they brought some form of coals to the altar. Uh, perhaps they brought some uh, something from another source, uh, something that was from another sacrifice that was unholy. But the thing was is that it, it was intentionally, it was intentionally brought to God. See, 
you know, God told in the very beginning when when a sacrifice was done throughout like that of Cain and Abel. From the very beginning, God was uh, was satisfied with Abel's sacrifice, but He was not sac- uh, satisfied with Cain's, which He bes- pretty much just uh, uh, brought some uh, produce that He grew as a farmer. And God told Cain that He was uh, unhappy with it. Cain wasn't unhappy, and Cain was very unhappy with his response. So therefore, out of out of jealousy, He murders his own brother. And, and so we look at this as a form of false worship. Right, because again, what we're looking at here is again, it, people would say, "Well, what's the big deal about this?" You know, when a parent tells somebody, a child, what to do or not to do, you know, we expect them to do exactly what it is. And and in this case, there was probably something a lot deeper in the form of of um, rebellion, if you will. And this fire literally devoured them right in front of Aaron. But it said that Aaron held his peace. Now, you have to really kind of take this in and think to, to yourself, my goodness, how could a man of God hold his peace even when, when he had to witness this? And, and God will instruct Aaron and Moses on these things, but not an easy pill to swallow. See, he said, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. Because we think that we can make our own way to God. We think that we can kind of do what we want and approach Him on our own accord. Even kings, you know, even kings on earth, uh, you, you, you didn't approach them in, in a certain matter. That, that's something that just the people, from, the people from that nation knew. And when you knew, you just didn't do it. If, if, if you weren't in, in certain countries, like in, uh, say, for instance, in the book of Esther, Esther was a uh, she became she was a Jewish queen that was that married a Persian uh, king. Okay, now even she herself, as his wife, had to be invited to approach the throne, and with reverence, they did that because if they didn't approach if they didn't approach the king without his say, they were killed for it. Or probably, you know, being a woman, maybe put in a harem to be locked up or something like that with other wives. But what God did here was something due to the fact of, of blatant unholiness. And so he made, it, he made it here as an example of these guys that, that I must be glorified around all people. And, and that means that, that God will always protect and guard his glory. And so he requires us as servants of his to be obedient servants of his. To, to, uh, to bring a conduct amongst ourselves. And for Aaron to witness this to happen to his two sons was, was not easy, I'm sure. But even Aaron, being a man of God, had to hold his peace because he knew that, that, that God was holy and he knew that basically that God was right and that his sons were wrong in what they did. So let's continue here, uh, because again, it continues to get interesting, because we're going to see the outlooks of how God thinks and, and the things he wants. And, and uh, verses 4 to 7 it says, And then Moses called Mishael and Elzaphon, the sons of Uzziel, uh, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them uh, by their tunics out of the camp, 
as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and, and Eleazar and Elamar, the sons, do not uncover your heads, nor tear your clothes, lest you die. And wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, uh, bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according uh, to the word of Moses. So at this time now, now the the sons were required to be carried off by a couple of their relatives. Now, again, in, in the laws of Jewish laws, you were not to basically you know touch dead bodies and so on and so forth, especially as a priest. Now the reason why they were uh, chosen was you know one being relatives, they were to carry them by their tunics, and uh, they weren't yet anointed or consecrated priests. So that is probably part of the reason why they were chosen to uh, be the ones who were who acted as like the pallbearers, if you if you will, who who had to carry these um, uh, these bodies outside of the uh, tabernacle for burial, and and it had to be typically it was probably done by close relatives as as well. They were chosen to be the uh, the the ones to remove the bodies. But my goodness, again, you know, you have to think of Aaron. This had to have been one of the hardest days of his life to see two things happen, to see, to see his sons disobey God and to see them lose their lives by a consuming fire, to, be, to basically be burned to death. And, and so God instructed them to basically, to, to, you are not to mourn, you are not to mourn. Because, you know, when we look at the aspect of everything, it is a hard it is a hard sight to see it is a hard pill to swallow but again the afterlife is an eternal the afterlife is eternally what we what we're able to uh, where we're going to be able to see one another and so you know we look at this side of eternity this side of eternity is is very limited and so we look at other things and other people with, with with such uh, sometimes with such demand or sometimes with such a care that that we we lose the aspect of the eternal aspect. You know, right now we've been uh, uh, dealing with a a virus going on right now called the coronavirus, where people have been losing their lives, people have been getting sick and having to live in quarantine. And and those who are not sick are having to take precaution on on being quarantined, and that right there is taking its toll on people. And, and so we live in these times where we have a hard time dealing with the here and now. But you know sometimes we we forget about the aspect of eternity. So many so many godly men and women are so affected with certain things with the here and now that, that we, we lose our vision of the eternity that, that's set before us. And, and so, they were instructed, do not tear your clothes or, or do any of that stuff lest you die and the wrath come upon you. Now, why did God say that? Because that was, a, that was an Eastern custom in the form of mourning. Whenever somebody was mourning for somebody, they would tear their clothes, they would put ashes or, uh, or dust on, their, on the top of their head as a sign of mourning. And God says, you are not to do that. You are not to, you are not to mourn such a thing. It, 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 would, be, it, it would be like uh, mourning a mass murderer or something like that. 
because in God's eyes, what they did was something in the form of, of unholiness of that sense. And so they were, not to mourn, they were not to mourn them. They were not to tear their clothes. Because God would bring the judgment upon them. You know, the priests were, at the time, the priests were considered the ones who were inter, uh, intermediaries, if you will, between God and the people. And they were required... They were required more than anything to, to, to not have any form of contact with the dead when it comes to touching, uh, when it comes to the mourning process, because they know God's ways. They know God's thoughts. They know the, the, his, you know his eternity. And so I, I have to look at, you know, I wonder what Aaron was thinking, you know, because we're looking at Aaron, the guy who, who created the golden calf and told his brother when he was up there speaking with God. He said, uh, he just said basically that, you know, like, hey, you know, I, I threw some gold in the fire and this calf came out and everybody was worshiping. And, you know, Aaron had to have probably had a lot of flashbacks and thinking like, my goodness, I, I I created a golden calf from a fire, and and now my sons bring a strange fire, and they were and they were burned to death, and I was preserved. Why? And so, God was merciful, because because God knew all things. God knew all things in the heart and mind of Aaron's sons. Now, let's take a continual look because there's more to the, than meets the eye to this, I think. And we're going to probably see a big part of the reason why this happened. In verses 8 to... Uh, let's see here. Let's go to 15, I guess. And then the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. You nor your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, and it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between uh, unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. And Moses spoke to Aaron and Eleazar and Ithamar and his, his sons who were left take the grain offering that remains of the offerings made by the fire of the Lord and eat it without leaven besides the altar for it, was, for it is most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place because it is your due and your, your son's due of the sacrifices made by fire to the Lord so I have been uh, commanded. The breast of the wave offering and of the thigh and of the heave offering you shall eat it in a clean place. And you and your sons and your daughters with you, for they are your, your due and your sons' due, which are given from the sacrifices of peace offerings of the children of Israel. The thigh of the heave offering and the breast of the wave offering they shall bring of the offering of the fat made by the fire to offer as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be yours and your sons with you by a statute forever as the Lord has commanded. And so... Now I think we, we might have a picture here of what happened. <laughs> because God basically said, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, nor, nor you or your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle. Now this might be an indication. We don't know. But this possibly could be an indication of Aaron's sons might have had a little too much to drink or something like that during this time. Now, we don't know, but I mean, after reading this, it definitely, it definitely could be. Because let me tell you why. Because, see, the only reason God commanded certain things to not be done is because somebody did something beforehand. <laughs> you know, all of the laws that were given to Israel, 
all of the laws that were given to Israel were due to a lot of the neighboring nations of what they would do. A lot of things that were detestable to God. A lot of things that God didn't like. So he instructed the nation of Israel what not to do. And so there is a good chance that this could have happened. And and so when he says intoxicating drink, you know, and wine, it's because they were not to drink heavily fermented alcohol. You know, a lot of people um a lot of people misinterpret things in the scriptures in regards to wine and and in regards to drinking with certain things. Because the Bible says in Proverbs and many other areas of the Bible to stay away from strong fermented drink. And, you know, people say, well, didn't they drink wine? Didn't it say to drink a little wine with your stomach And when the Apostle Paul said to uh, do that? Now, real quick, what I want to do is elaborate on that because what it is is the the wine that he said to drink with your, to help your stomach was a medicinal thing. It was It was a very diluted little sip of wine with diluted water in it. But see, the majority of of the wine that was drinking in Israel and and during some of the feasts was not fermented wine. And because there is Hebrew words that were used in the Bible which described what they were drinking versus pressed grape juice uh, versus fermented wine. You know, so in order to make fermented wine, they had to let you know certain fruits that they would use dry, uh, to to dry up and die. Grapes, dates, apples, figs, whatever they used, it would it would cause to make a fermented alcohol. So any time that the priest or anybody that was that would use wine during certain things like Passover, the wine was diluted to either half to three quarters percent with water, and so it was just kind of. It was just kind of one of those things that uh, was used at, at that time. You know, so the thing is, is he says that God made it here, that, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean because the alcohol caused you to, uh, to, to have an unclear thinking, an unclear vision. Now be honest, if, if, if you've ever been drunk before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I have been before. I know exactly what that's like. You're you're impaired, right? Because I I've said this in, in other uh, previous sermons that I've taught in regards to when we see the uh, on a store or on a restaurant they say alcohol and spirits, and it's something my dad told me when I was a kid because I was mistaken about something I saw in a restaurant one time that said alcohol and spirits, and I didn't want to go in there because I thought the place was haunted because it said it had spirits on it. And then he had to tell me that, no, no, what that is, is it's an old saying that, that spirits causes you to have different spirits when you have too much of that to drink, and that is very true. Things are said, things are done. That, that you don't even remember. And so that is, the, that is the key here, what God was talking about. This is why he said that, that you must uh, refrain from all of that. To distinguish between what is holy and unholy. And so that was it. That was, that was a big reason, I think, of what probably happened. Because drunkenness was associated with also with a lot of pagan practices. And the, the, the Jewish priests were supposed to be very distinctively different from all the others. And so, when there was, when there was drunkenness, nothing good, nothing good comes from it. Nothing good comes from it. I mean, if you've been drunk before, you know, I mean, when you wake up the next morning, what good did it do you? 
And so we see why God says not to be doing these things, because he wants a clear-minded soberness within all things. And so he wants us to distinguish what is holy and unholy. You know, and so we want to make, he wants to make sure that we're sharp in our moral insights and our godly insights. In our worship. Can you imagine going to church after having too much to drink and you're there to worship God? You don't even know how you got there. That's not something that God would be pleased with. And really, when it's all said and done, could we be pleased with ourselves? And so, I just think to myself that, wow, that's possibly what had happened there with Aaron, with Aaron and his sons. Let's continue to take a look here in verses 16 on. And it says, Then Moses made careful inquiry about the goat of the sin offering. And there it was burned up, and he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron, who were left, saying, Why have you not eaten the sin offering in a holy place, since it is most holy, and God has given it to you to bear the guilt of the uh, consecration, to, to make the atonement for the uh, congregation, to make the atonement for them before the Lord? See, its blood was not brought inside the holy place. Indeed, you, have, you should have eaten in a holy place, as I commanded." And Aaron said to Moses, Look, this day have, uh, they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and such things have befallen me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have been accepted in the sight of the Lord? So when Moses heard that, he was content. So Moses was content with what he heard. You know, the, the priest who offered the sin offering was supposed to eat the portion of the animal and then, and then burn the rest of it. So Moses became angry because of Eliezer and Ithamar. They're, they're burnt, uh, the burn the sin offering, but, but did not eat any of it. So Aaron had to explain to Moses that his two sons did, did not feel it appropriate to eat the sacrifice after their two brothers. And so there was a there was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of fear, I think, here, and I think that would be in, in any of us. Now, I like what he did, especially Aaron, in a sense. He was, he was not allowed to mourn his sons. But it looks to me as if he had basically he went ahead and fasted. You know, he, he refrained from eating certain things and fasted for them. And, and, and probably for himself as well. And so it was, it was a good thing. It was, it was a good thing to be fasting on the, on the day of his son's death. But the, but the thing here is, is that, you see, Moses was trying to make sure that everything was being done carefully. And, and so that was the key here, is to be doing things the way that God instructed. You know, you ever baked anything before, and you left out a few ingredients, <laughs> you know, sometimes you can tell it doesn't come out right, it comes out horrible. And you've got to make sure that every ingredient, every ingredient is measured to a perfect standard. You know, but this is a sacrifice unto the Lord, so there's even more things to be looked at. And so even more concern to be had. And so after witnessing this, I think Moses was even more concerned about the fact that his nephews were burned right in front of him. And so now it's like, now we really need to make sure that the people of Israel do things according to God's plan. You know, Jesus himself, you know, he had that, that kind of heart, right? That, that he wanted to make sure that, that, that things were done right. Yes, there was grace and mercy involved. Yes, you know, God knows that this, us as men, you know, that our intelligence is, is kind of, um, 
is kind of limited compared to his. You know, but we but we never we never ever want to to draw attention to ourselves. And I think that's what had happened here with Aaron's two sons. And and, and we don't want to be consumed. We don't want to be consumed in sin because that will consume us into a fire that we don't want to touch. And so this this lesson today was really a very a very practical one on top of a, uh, on top of a technical one. See, there's a lot of technicalities involved for the Jews, but see, for, for the Jews and for us, it was a very practical one because there are certain fires that we don't want to be playing with. And so to know God, to know His Word, is to practice obedience. And to know God's heart, and to know His requirements for for sin and for falling, is, is to repent. And so may we take the time to do something very important here. We want to make sure that we recognize... That we cannot go to heaven without receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that is not by my rule, that is by His Word. My job is basically to introduce you to Him and to tell you about Him, to teach you about Him, and to allow, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. So I want to give you the opportunity. I want to give you the opportunity to to receive Christ right now if you've never received him before. Because we've all played with fire with at times in our lives and and sometimes we've dodged those flames. Sometimes we might have uh, gotten slightly burned, but we don't want to be consumed. And, and so we don't want to just look at we don't want to just look at, at our salvation either as just strictly fire insurance to keep us out of out of the gates of hell, but we want to look at it as a form of of thanking God of of His grace and mercies and, and His provisions and for wanting us with Him. And so really that's what this was about. Again, this was this was informing us what happened, and it was also instructing us on what to do and what not to do. We don't have to perform these rituals anymore, but we do have to perform obedience. We do have to perform holiness still. And if we don't, then we are going to get consumed by a fire that we don't want to be near. So I want to invite you now to receive the Lord if He has led it on your heart. And you can say a simple prayer after me. That, that you can receive Him in your heart as your Lord and Savior. And if you feel led, I want you to say this prayer with me and repeat it with me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner, and I ask of you, Lord, to cleanse me of all of my sins, I ask of you, Lord, to come into my heart, And Lord, that you would live in my heart, Father Lord, as I receive you as my Lord, as I receive you as my Savior. I want to be with you, Lord, in heaven when my time comes. And I want to walk with you for all the days of my life. So, Father, will you enter me now, Lord, as I am now a part of you. 
and you are a part of me. And I want to thank you for dying on the cross. I want to thank you for, for coming and living for us and dying for us. As I am now of you and you are now of me, as I love you and I praise you, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you as always. And again, as we continue to move through the book of Leviticus, you know, may we see it more as, as really just an instructions on holiness as well. We don't have to perform these things, thank God, but we still have to, again, obtain the holiness and, and, and live by it. And, and it was a great instruction. It was a great, uh, a great way to see a little more of how God thinks, a little more of what God wants. And, and so I just pray that we would study it with intent and care because, again, these were God's words. These were God's instructions. This is His mind, His heart. And so I just want to be thankful for having the opportunity to uh, present that. So may we present ourselves to Him as holy as possible. And may we present ourselves to Him in a way that He is pleased with. And, and by that... Who knows what else we'll be able to do through His power and and through His will. Take hold of His hand and see what happens. I guarantee you'll be blessed. God bless you.